So I'm Sophie Hackett, the Curator of Photography here at the Art Gallery of Ontario, and I have the great pleasure today to be in conversation with my predecessor, the extraordinary Maya Sutnik, who is Curator Emeritus of Photography. And today we're going to talk a little bit about how we got started as a museum to collect photography. Um, Maya, I know that collecting photography at the AGO has been the matter of many small starts, a gift, a gift here, a purchase there. Uh, but really, when we acquired uh, a portrait of the sculptor Henry Moore by Arnold Newman in 1978, uh, something new began. It marked a new and deliberate direction. How did this come about? Well, I would say that um, I would agree it was a landmark, but um, and I also agree that collecting was a bit of a juggling act. Um, however, I think one should keep in mind that um, uh, that we did have more success with exhibitions. And I think that was a very important um, undertaking because what it did, it validated uh, photography um, in terms of something that the public was interested in and would come to look at. So um, the collecting really started, I would say, um, with uh, you know showing exhibitions uh, at the AGO proper. Um, Certainly by 1978, I would say that AGO, um, through what we call an outreach program of extension and education, had shown about eight exhibitions on photographs. And, um, uh, and they generated a lot of interest and also controversy at the time, which sometimes helped and sometimes was a distraction. Mm -hmm. um, the exhibition exposure, which I think was in 1975, um, attracted photographers from across from Canada. And um, it impacted, of course, the importance of the medium, but it also created controversy because um, uh, artists being uh, of very different um, uh, interests and stripes and generated a controversy that was not necessarily desirable uh, for the AGO. On the other hand, um, it was also very good because it pointed out that there was a huge photo uh, community and that it was necessary to have dialogue. And um, that dialogue was was a, a very important part that I think that the gallery paid uh, attention to. Um, but there was some controversy in the beginning. Um, uh, I brought in an exhibition which was called Destination Europe, which had the works of Lynn Cohen, Charles Gagnon, and Robert Bordeaux and others. And it sort of um, baffled so many because the photography, as one critic said, that um, it looked so under-labored, you know, that there didn't seem to be much work in taking photographs. Um, so that was a sort of a criticism of it that, you know, why didn't photography look more like art? And why did photographs actually look like photographs? And why were we exhibiting things that looked like photographs? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, that that entered you know sort of one area of dialogue however just following that we had uh, michael mitchell's uh, nightlife uh, which introduced a new vocabulary which was color mm -hmm. and uh, somehow that exhibition um, had a huge impact certainly on our director at the time um, you know people on the board and so on that these uh, large luminous photographs, you know, which hung on the gallery wall were really very beautiful and that it was such a popular exhibition with visitors. Um, so my point is that the having an exhibition program 
is what helped to navigate uh, the way into collecting. Um, and uh, this is where, of course, Henry Moore collection comes in because um, I noticed that the Henry Moore wing had uh, a number of photographs installed on the walls with uh, Henry Moore at works and some portraits. And, you know, they were good, some of them, but not particularly in my view, intriguing. And um, so Alan Wilkinson, who was the uh, curator at the time of the Henry Moore Collection and Modern Art, uh, as that department was called at the time, I pointed out that there was an Arnold Newman portrait of Moore that had come to my attention. So this would have been 1977, I think, because we acquired it about the same time or, you know, uh, 78 around that time. In any case, I felt that it was uh, much more... um, intriguing uh, work and then the the portraits that we had and Alan took a look at it and he agreed that uh, this sort of the constructed characteristics um, of this large um, work, you know, that incorporated more with sort of an economy of style um, was very expressive and was something other than we had in the collection. And so he was happy to make that purchase. So as I said, you know, a landmark was made by acquiring this particular work into the collection. And what it led to um, was, of course, collecting uh, more portraits that um, Alan was uh, very interested in um, adding to the collection that other artists uh, in our AGO collection would be represented with photographs. And you know, portraits taken by artists and, and photographers of renown, but not necessarily um, everyone was well known, but it was sort of a significant uh, step. And so that that was the beginning. <laughs> Sorry to be so long about it. No, um, but, but it's, uh, I think you, you rightly point out the, how collections come about in a, in a range of ways and, and in complex ways. Um, and I think it's it's exactly right to to highlight how entwined intertwined exhibiting and collecting can be. Um, to go back to the Arnold Newman portrait of Henry Moore, you referred to it as a, as sort of a construction. Can you say more about that? And what was it that drew your eye in particular? Well, it's really actually two photographs put into a montage. Um, Newman was known for doing what he what he termed as environmental photographs, uh, meaning that they were not um, studio-based photographs, and uh, so that seemed to be his sort of uh, raison d'etre. So uh, he had photographed more before, but um, uh, I guess he felt that they were not um, to his satisfaction. So he made this montage where the sculptural form is an independent photograph, and then more the portrait of more sort of a looking uh, away and not into the camera creates a kind of a sensibility that that's what quite different um, again from as I said from the other uh, more portraits that we had which were more formal. So I think that um, that that kind of intrigue of creating environment then it was you know a manipulated one, but it's so seamless. So it looks exactly like or perhaps more was in there and actually was photographed in situ somewhere. You know, so. Um, I think it was, and also it's a step that it showed that there was a lot of thought and thinking behind creating photographs, Um, you know, that that the critics who had been unhappy with my destination, Europe photographers, 
uh, would probably admire this a bit more because they see that there was more work involved. You know, photography was often dismissed because it seemed to be easy. Right. So that's quote, about- quote unquote. <laughs> quote-unquote mechanical. Um, I, I had not heard that review of the show under-labored as a descriptor of uh, photographic work <laughs> is um, really very funny. Well, um, you have to realize, of course, Destination Europe was with photographers. It was called, it, it had that sort of a snapshot quality to many other pictures that looked very easy, but we know the way Gagnon and Cohen and and um, these artists who and, and Robert Bordeaux was in the show, so we know how they worked. You know, they uh, they were extremely well thought out imagery, uh, but you know, for those who were not attracted to it, it seemed like it was just uh, unlabored. <laughs> so this, uh, as you pointed out, this acquiring this picture set about a new thread of collecting portraits of artists in our collection. At first. I think other sculptors, right, and then and then other artists um, it, that we had acquired painters and so on. Well, um, I don't really recall which succession it um, it went in at this very moment, but uh, I think one of our more significant portraits that we bought next and uh, was the Irving Penn portrait of David Smith, and that um, I think is a painting portrait. Yeah, it is. You know, it's a large, beautiful platinum palladium, um, and it was another landmark. You know, I loved it for its sort of close-up framing, its austerity, and its kind of bluntness that it has um, about the way that Penn photographed um, uh, the sculptor. And um, you know, whether one knows anything about the subject or not, I mean, it often helps if you know who the who the sitter is. But even if you didn't, you know, the portrait, you know, has such timeless quality of description and command and um, physicality to it. Right down to, if I remember, there's this um, deformed um, thumbnail on it. You know, he's holding a pipe, and you can see Absolutely. the thumbnail on it. You know. I was so, about to um, mention that. One of my favorite parts of that picture is this extraordinary yeah. finger, because Smith, of course, was a major sculptor of metal work, right? So you imagine the sort of manual labor involved yeah. in, in producing yeah. those works. Yeah. It marked on his body in some way. Yeah. yeah. And I would say that leading from that, another you know important acquisition that kind of stretched the idea of portraiture was, of course, the Brancusi purchase, which I think was made about early 1980s. Um, which made a very significant statement um, because it um, um, it had a relationship to our polished bronze sculpture called the First Cry, and so this acquisition gave an opportunity to uh, show or to at least demonstrate that um, photography had been in the hands of what was considered artists as much as in the hands of photographers. And Brancusi's Narcissus uh, Fountain, which I think is 19, early 1920s, 22 or 23 or something like that, you'll have to check on those dates, uh, is um, certainly one of my favorites, um, you know, because um, it, um, it not only shows how a sculptor uh, arranged and worked uh, with his own work, and uh, I think this construction that... Um, um, that was um, Brancusi's, which was a kind of, um, um, I would say, a sort of a reminiscent of, of latent sort of a cubism on how he constructs the setting. And um, then he has at the very bottom these uh, plaster heads. 
And these plaster heads, of course, representing uh, lice, and, and it is, has this looming figure of a um, structure that um, uh, was an engagement for a, or a commission, I should say, for an unfinished uh, um, uh, memorial site uh, of the fallen soldiers. And so this sort of a relationship um, that this picture brings to was, I think, really quite exciting because it uh, referenced a, a major work in our, our in our in our collection. It showed how photography was related to it. And for me, it was exciting because I acquired that work through uh, the help of Sam Wagstaff, and because um, he came from a gallery called Zabriskie in New York, which you know, was so high end for little meager AGO in terms of acquisitions and funding and everything. Uh, but um, it was a wonderful acquisition. And um, I think that um, uh, it, it's, you know, it's the one that if you research and you look at it, you get to understand it and it becomes much more accessible. Um, if one really looks very closely at the very, very darkness of it is a, um, is a wine press uh, which has been often said to be, but I don't know how true it is, to be the inspiration for Brancuse's uh, endless column work, you know. So this picture about life and death and relationship to AGO and to the artist and how an artist constructs his own photographs, uh, I think was a very important acquisition at the time. Still one of my favorite, favorite photographs. That's, uh, I can hear it as you describe it. Um and uh, you mentioned, of course, Sam Wagstaff, who was another important uh, figure uh, in, in how you thought about collecting photographs. Would you say a bit about that? Well, I think that, um, you know, Sam was a remarkable figure. I mean, I am I was in awe of him. There's no question about him. And, and um, I bought his collection to the um, AGO, which, um, you know, was an inspiration. And um, he was, was so articulate. 1981, right? Um, 81 or 82, um, you know, I don't remember even myself the exact date, uh, um, so early 80s. it was early 80s. Yeah. No, it was 81. It, it was actually, it was in the winter time of 81 because he came back, uh, later on in the spring to give another, he came for the opening and then he came back to give a talk, uh, and in uh, Jackman Hall. Uh, yeah, you're right. It was, in any event, uh, he was very important to uh, for me to think about photography in in the broadest sense, not only the sort of the history as as was being at that time articulated, but also the broader impact of photography, what we now call the vernacular or the unknown. But the uses of photography fascinated him, and his collection was built very much about. Uh, that he didn't sort of uh, canonize it. I thought his wonderful statement was that, um, you know, he was uh, a kind of a, uh, a gardener. You know, he collected what was sort of a growing up in the garden and what appealed to him and whatever bloomed, um, you know, he was interested in those. So, uh, yeah, he was an important figure. That's amazing. Uh, great. I hadn't quite heard you put that sentiment in that way. I digress. <laughs> collector as gardener. Um, at what point, so even though you were building a collection, you were building an exhibition program alongside, and by the way, doing this on, on uh, in addition to other, to your actual job duties. Um, well, my actual job duties was being in photographic resources, you know, so I, it had a, 
It had a segue in a way. (laughs) Lucky me. (laughs) Go on. Sorry. No, that's all right. Um, You know, I know that in general support, support was not assured for what you were doing with photography. Um, What was it that, that kept you going in the face of really a sort of non-encouragement? Um, I guess to some extent, I guess it was my stubbornness for one thing, uh, you know, that I felt that photography should be taken seriously. Uh, from my point of view, photography, you know, had its tradition, it was an expressive medium. And, um, and certainly, you know, it had its, uh, you know, historical momentum and so on and how it led to modernism. So, you know, I mean, how could you not embrace a, medium that had been so much part of the expression of modern art, for instance, you know, so, um, you know, can you imagine, like, say, Dada and Surrealism and, and um, you know, uh, the Russian avant-garde, any of these um, acts, you know, without photography. Uh, so, I mean, for me, it was just a very natural um, sort of a position to, to, uh, to take. Um, you know, it, photography was so much of life, and often to, you know, uh, although photography seems to, you know, distance itself maybe from what was considered the other visual arts, you know, like, you know, you know, painting was considered and sculpture to have a higher pedigree, um, but, you know, um, and also maybe it, it um, seemed that it was just too popular and all the other arts were too sort of a hermetic and was more contemplation. But I think my role was to show how, um, how much could be discovered, you know, through and how we should celebrate, uh, you know, photography and how the kind of contact it made, you know, with people. And I must say that I had huge support, you know, from a lot of the, artists of course they were frustrated because um you know the opportunities of showing photography in toronto was at that time in the, at least in the 70s uh, still relatively meager um but uh you know it fostered and flourished eventually and i must say the college colleagues at the gallery um you know curatorial departments are very supportive um, certainly, um, you know, people in the contemporary and in the historical departments. Uh, and then I have to say, you know, prints and drawings department, where we actually ended functioning under and have, were under their umbrella for a long period of time. So, you know, there, it, it, yeah, maybe my stubbornness, but I had, I had support, and that was very important. And, and having colleagues who supported you. Um, you know, was also very important. I mean, Alan Wilkinson, Philip Monk, you know, they were, you know, very supportive. So, yeah. Bradley, too. And Jessica Bradley later on, you know, but in the early days, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, as you know, know, we have change of staff and uh, uh, curators come and go, but they all were interested in supporting and recognized photography. At, was there a moment where you felt fi- finally um, we will we finally that you had um, I guess the tools to be able to I don't know move ahead or that you wouldn't have to justify as much to the director anyway um, why photography was important. Well, um, no, it, it it took a little while. I must say, I think. The fact that actually people gifted things um, also made a mark. I mean, 
um, the very early gift of the Frederick Evans photograph, particularly for Mrs. Gordon Kahn, um, it was 1979. I remember that very well because, you know, she, (laughs) I met with her a number of times and she was the first vegetarian that I had ever, uh, you know, met. So, and she was at that time 90, so I thought, well, that's a healthy way to live. Um, but, um, you know, when you think about the souvenir portrait of Audrey Beersley, you know, which is, what, 1893 or 94 or something around that time, um, you know, uh, it pre- presented, you know, uh, a sort of a kind of a symbiosis of um, of what portraiture could be, how it could be used in being part of the illustration of uh, the subject's drawings uh, for the death of Arthur by Mallory, I guess. And, you know, it sort of um, commentated um, on the fact that, you know, that there was these relationships in photography that's very important. And besides, you know, it was a gem um, of of an image, you know, small as it in size, but, you know, it had sort of a monumental impact. And again, that kind of... um, demonstrated well you know there's more to photography than just snapping you know there's minds behind it that work and collaborate and in this case the collaboration between Audrey Beersley and Evans I think that had certain amount of impact and then you know at the other end of the spectrum you know was the photographs of Lewis Balls that were given by Carol Rapp um, uh, again you know which um, you know were uh, photographs that you know, we're so much different in terms of when you have you, you know, looked at it and bought again a new lexicon, how you discuss uh, photography's capacity to transform an image that describes, but in fact is a metaphor for other ideas um, that were to be explored. And I think these things coming into the collection um, showed the breadth of photography and its viability. So I certainly think, you know, these things, these gifts also played a very important part uh, that the collection, you know, was able to develop uh, through recognition uh, of these uh, generous donors. One of the ways that you really, I think, encouraged some of those gifts, uh, perhaps, or maybe you would see it this way, uh, is an exhibition you did in 1984 called Responding to Photography, which was drawn entirely from private collections in Toronto, uh, which I always think is such a I mean, I'm sure there was a sort of a delight in discovering, but also such a wonderfully strategic move to highlight that people are, in fact, in Toronto interested and not just interested, but adding photographic works to their collections. Um, the So I think that show is uh, so important for that. Would you agree? Oh, I certainly agree. I think uh, it was very, very important. And um you know, and it was also, you know, successful in many ways. I mean, as, as much as attention that we were able to, um, or the critics were able to draw to photography, but certainly there was write-ups about, it, you know, photo communique, um, Christopher Hume, and people talked about it. And, um, you know, it was also bringing together a collecting um, uh, community, um, which I think was wonderful to, to you know, have these very individuals. Uh, I think the difficult task for me was to uh, exploring these collections because there was so much work in it um, in terms of people had collected and, you don't want to offend anybody. Uh, so it, it was a delicate balance. Um, but I then thought that the best way of looking at this uh, period, which is, you know, an early period, is to show these collectors 
um, that the works that they were acquiring actually had a history and belonged in different thematic sort of the movements um, in the history of photography throughout. So, uh, you know, it was a very sort of a, um, I would say, simple way of, of thinking about photography. Um, but I wanted them to be put into a kind of a, a history where the works that they collected had resonated um, with other works that, um, you know, existed, you know, historically. So, um, and from that point of view, I think it was successful. Yeah, I enjoyed doing that show. Um, I wish I could have seen it, but we do have uh, installation views, black and white only, mind you, but um, I, I, I will spend more time with There those. wasn't that much color in it. There was, a, uh, you know, a few pieces, but um, uh, most of it, uh, you know, uh, Raphael Goldchain's work, of course, was in, in color and, and um, you know, there was some color work in it, but uh, people were still uh, hesitant about that you know, uh, black and white seem to be more like the colors of photography, as <laughs> Robert Frank said. Um, but um, yeah, but I'm glad we have those installation views. I'm also glad we have the book because I went with it. Um, so to fast forward a few, a couple of decades from that moment, um, the photography department was finally officially formed in the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, what did it mean to you to reach that milestone? Um, well, yeah. I mean, I have to, you know, thank, um, or we should as an institution, I should, we should be thankful to Matthew Teitelbaum, who was the director at the time, who convinced the board that photography should be a standalone department um, with its mm-hmm. own um, um uh, proper developed uh, mission uh, with its own funding uh, for collecting and to, you know, have its own external support committee. And, you know, that was a major move because it was a new, um, I guess the first new department that, that had been set up, so, you know, for decades in the AGO. Um, and I think it ended the complex procedure of my taking photographs through various alternate committees uh, who were willing to put it in front of, uh, you know, their their committee to uh, to say that we should be accepting this into collection because I would be, um, you know, working uh, with, you know, prints and drawings committee with what we used to, we used to have something called the International Art Committee, uh, Contemporary Committee, and so on. Uh, so, you know, we became a standalone, but of course that did not Stop having ongoing dialogue with, um, you know, with the other departments, particularly with the contemporary department, uh, um, because it's very important to think about, you know, uh, photography was evolving and the artists that were engaged with it, you know. Uh, but in one sense, it was, you know, kind of a freedom to, um, uh, to, you know, to, uh, I would say, to work. Um, it was. Also, much greater accountability, as I'm sure you are now experiencing. So, uh, um, you know what it's like to, you know, be involved now with um, having your own um, committee and the accountabilities you have to it and to the institution as a whole. Sure. Um, but it was a, it was a, it was a big step. I mean, it was a big step for the gallery itself too. So, uh, but I'm glad it has. Um, it it worked out as well as it did. <laughs> when you 
I'm, I'm also glad that it worked out for so many reasons. Um, <laughs> you know, and it meant that when we reopened in 2008 with a, a new building and expanded galleries, that there were galleries dedicated to photography, and that remains. We've moved to a different set of galleries, um, but to have space to to play, to to mm-hmm. highlight the research that to highlight the collections and then the research that we're doing on the collections is really, I find very exciting. Um, and there's a, and I think the sort of independence and autonomy of that is really meaningful. Um, when you look back, uh, because you have now left sort of official, official capacity at the gallery in your curator emeritus um, position, when you look back in all of those, all the work and all the decades and all the acquisitions, is there, uh, any acquisition or perhaps exhibition that stands out for you as particularly meaningful? Um, I would say that um, I mean I'm I'm, I'm particularly um, attached uh, in many ways to many aspects of our of our collection, and um, I mean I think it's we have an exceptional one. It's large in numbers, and it and it's an also large in scope of concentration of different um, critical ideas that emerged in, in, in photography. So um, I like that. What I like about our collection as a whole, as opposed to any one specific works, is the sensibility of the photographers and that it, you know, it dem- demonstrates, you know, their powerful creativity and the contact and exchange amongst ideas uh, in photography through its, you know, its, um, you know, its generations and its decades. And so I think we're very fortunate to have this kind of um, broad outlook um, in our collecting. I mean, one of the things that, of course, um, I was very keen on uh, is while we have a broad collection, um, it would be uh, useful to um, uh, look at some uh, artists in depth to have critical mass of the photographer's work. Uh, because I think it it lends itself to really understand the uh, evolution of a of a photographer's ideas, and so we are very lucky, as you know, to have some very large concentrated bodies of work um, that may baffle some people, but um, I just think that going back to the large collection, of course, of Sudek, which was pivotal in 2000 when it entered. You know, it um, it really gives us a huge understanding about one artist's practice and how it fit, fitted into his time. And I think his work is particularly poignant, I think, uh, at this period when we are isolating ourselves um, from uh, COVID, um, he, that he isolated himself from 1939 to after the war, in his studio exploring, you know, his world actually through, you know, two studio windows and photographing all the permutations, you know, through years. So when you think about um, uh, an artist's work, you know, in this particular kind of a way, I think it um, it touched not, it's not only of his time, but how it continues to touch this particular time when we're all in isolation too. So I certainly see the Sudak work, as uh, large as it is in our collection, extremely important. Um, and then I would say the Linnaeus trite photographs, you know, that um, were gifted by Janet Devon, uh, providing us, you know, with a substantial 
outstanding um, in um, in looking at the work of a pioneer photographer and um, you know his remarkable images you know uh, which were you know made from paper negatives and um, and you know how he explored um, you know a culture that uh, was vulnerable to change uh, so I think tripe's ingenuity as an early photographer is certainly evident in the collection that we have and particularly it becomes you know a statement when you think when he photographed photography had only been uh, known for 15 years. So um, I think to have a collection uh, such as the Tripe, again, is, is something, um, you know, in, in depth, which, you know, we have a good number of them, I think is a very important statement to make. And um, if I think more locally of, of uh, you know, is the gift from Av Isaacs, uh, that um, work of documentary photographer Michelle Lambeth, uh, who photographed the... Um, Canada's uh, immigrants in the 1950s, and then also the local art scene. And in the same vein, a mostly very unrecognized work with Tess Boudreau, a woman photographer you know, of great skill and very strong ideas about photography was uh, all about in her mind. So, um, you know, these representations, are, I think, are, are very important. And then, as you know, um, with all the work um, that you did on the, you know, on the Malcolmsons, um, I think, you know, uh, I'll be very honest, I quoted them for a long, long time, and we were very happy to have the Malcolmsons, um, you know, collection come to us that expanded, um, you know, our understanding of the, the, the modern art movements, and, um and still, you know, their unerring eye uh, of, of you know, historical church and tradition, which they also incorporated, and also their own personal love for the medium. You know, I think these are very important uh, landmarks. And, of course, that's not, you know, for c- continue the celebration of gifts, you know, with the magnificent um, creativity of Diane Arbus and uh, Gary Winogrand, um, which, you know, we're so fortunate to have acquired. So, um you know, there are all kinds of backstories to all of these collections and to collecting, and they're intriguing, and um, we can leave that for some other time. Let's just celebrate that we have this, you know, fantastic collection at the AGO, and um, I hope that when the AGO opens again that um, the Diane Arbus's work can be visited and seen uh, so deservedly, um, you know, um, you know the work that you put together and uh and bring it to the broader audiences. So, um, yeah, it's, that's, um, it's hard to say about one specific work that I like, but um, um, I'm, I'm kind of uh, proud of uh, a lot of these things that I have mentioned. So uh, that's it. it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, you know, um, it, you know, it's a continued mission, I think, for the AGO to keep on. Um, and I'm glad that, um, you know, you picked up the gauntlet and, um, <laughs> and um, you know, have fun and have a few tears, too, you know. <laughs> um, I yeah, Thank you, Maya. This, uh, I've, well, I feel thrilled that there was a gauntlet to be picked up <laughs> because of all the work that you put in. Um, I will very much look forward to seeing you in the galleries again uh, with Diane Arbus, and we should absolutely have a glass of wine for that. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much, Maya. Okay. Bye for now. Bye-bye.